do not, um, I just was going to say this to you, not to concern yourself uh, at all that we're teaching on marriage and the family and that there's not a lot of married couples here and hasn't been, you know, most of the time. But you should not even concern yourself about that because I'm not. Because we just obey God and let God take care of all the rest. And uh, we also do, of course, it feeds the flock, but and it's good to have these things spoken out in the church, but we are also feeding a lot of people, and some of you don't know this, with cassette tapes. We're feeding a lot more of people than just Tuscaloosa people. We're feeding people in Birmingham with cassette tapes. We're feeding people, we sent tapes to... Uh, 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 Dothan, Alabama today, we send, we send tapes to Georgia on a regular basis. I mean, CDs, I say tapes, but you know, it's kind of like Coke and co everything's a Coke to me. I'm from the South, you know, and every, everything's a tape, <laughs> even if it's a CD or if it's a DVD. I've just got cassette tape ingrained in my brain. And, uh, so anyway, we're sending out these sets all over. In fact, uh, you know, we're even in demand in Seminole again. We're sending out, uh, sending them back. And his funny part is, it's that our worst church members now that when we were out there, we're in demand and they're wanting our, they're wanting our materials and help us with this and help us teach this class. And hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? So that's the, that, but that's the amazing thing about it. That's why we don't have to concern ourselves. We just obey and then God takes care of all the rest and he uses things in its timing. And besides, everybody in this church is responsible for everything that's ever taught in this church. Did y'all know that? That has to be the way it is because otherwise you could just say, well, Lord, I'm not responsible for the love walk. I didn't hear that message, <laughs> you know, and uh, no, we're all responsible for everything that's taught. And sometimes God has things taught just so that it goes out into the atmosphere and it's out there. In fact, if the people in anybody in this town that's called to be at this church and if they never come, they're still responsible for everything that was taught here that they didn't hear. And so so we're not concerned a bit about those things. We're just teaching on marriage and the family and uh, and having a good time. I'm having a really good time. I'm studying some things that is really helping me in a lot of areas. And tonight I believe I'm going to give you something that doesn't matter if you're married or single, it don't matter where you are. Divorced 10 times. This I've got a secret. I've got last week I gave you my secret, but this week I'm going to give you God's secret. And so, uh, and, and I can tell you, God's is a lot higher than mine. Amen. Praise God. And that was good music. I did enjoy that. I was sitting there thinking while we were singing that first song, I was like, Jesus couldn't have picked out a song that was any better for this service than that was. It just fit right in with our praying and how we were flowing in prayer. So I want you to turn to Psalm 128 tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> Psalm 128, verse 1. And you may not have paid much attention, although I'm sure you've read through the Psalms many times, but you may not have paid much attention to this Psalm. But it's, this is God's picture of a happy, godly family. Is Psalm 128, verse 1 through 6. And it said, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in His ways. And God gives us right there in verse 1, His definition of fearing the Lord. His definition of fearing the Lord, and we were told many times in Scripture that we're to fear the Lord, and His definition of fearing the Lord is that those people that walk in His ways, they fear the Lord. And when people that don't walk in His ways, they can say what they want, they don't fear the Lord. And so fearing the Lord is walking in God's ways. He said, For thou shall eat the labor of thine hands. The person that feeds, fears the Lord shall eat the labor of thy hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. So actually he's talking here about the husband or the father of the house, that if he will fear the Lord and walk in God's ways, he will be a happy husband a happy man, and it will be well with him. And that's talking about spirit, soul, body, finances, and relationships. If he will fear the Lord and walk in God's ways, he will eat the labor of his hands, and he happy shalt thou be, and it will be well with thee. And his wife 
shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. And that means fruitful in every area. That means ability to bear children. But it also means just she's fruitful. Man, she bears good fruit. And it's so wonderful to have a good wife that bears good fruit. Pastor, it's so wonderful that you have a good wife. That <laughs> Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you didn't get that Stephanie that was an atheist, you know, that we talked about last week. Hallelujah. It is so good uh, to get a fruitful vine, a fruitful wife, that she dwells by the sides of thine house. Thy children are like olive plants around about thy table. Olive plants are very strong. Hallelujah. So strong, healthy, godly children all around your table. Hallelujah. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. And we could say, we would, we would say it this way. The Lord will bless us in the church or out of the church. And I'm not, I'm not use, I'm not a replacement theology person. I don't believe the church replaces Israel, but still we can say, where does God bless us from? He doesn't bless us out of Zion. He blesses us out of the church. Okay. And thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem, or we could say the kingdom, the kingdom of God all the days of thy life, and thou shalt see thy children's children, that's your grandchildren, and peace upon Israel. And if you're in faith, you might see your children's children's children. Hallelujah. I know that most uh, most of my grandmothers and uh, even uh, Colin, when he was born, he had eight grandmothers uh, because I, I had a great grandmother still. And Pastor still had a great grandmother. And so uh, we, uh, hallelujah, that is when you, that's being, that's the blessing of godliness. Hallelujah. Being passed down through the generations. Hallelujah. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, and it's, it, it was such a blessing. And he, you know, he remembers his great, great grandmother. And because she didn't even die till like, I forget when, but anyway. She, he remembers her. He was old enough. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm sure Eric, too, I don't know for sure about that, though. He was a little littler. Okay, so um, <clears throat> that is God's uh, picture of a godly, happy family, and I wanted to give you that tonight. And then I wanted to give some things about wisdom for marriage, and then I'm going to end tonight with God's secret creek secret key, the secret key that he has for all of us, not just married people, but all of us in how to have a, a, a blessed life and how to have a happy life. But let's talk about some little things where wisdom is concerned and marriage. And uh, one of the things I wanted to say is where marriage is concerned, and of course this is true in every area, but you have to get your own marriage. Uh, excuse me. You have to, I didn't I said that wrong. You have to get your own wisdom. Don't go get your own marriage. Get your own wisdom. In other words, God cannot heal two marriages the same way, just like He won't heal two bodies the same way. So we have to get our own wisdom for every situation in life. And I want to just encourage you to esteem your marriage. Now, it's not going to be better if you start over. I, I mean, I figured that out. And you have to go through all the adjustments of marriage again. It, it's not better to, if you're, to be alone. Uh, there are challenges to being alone. We could ask the singles in here and they'd say, yeah, there's challenges to being alone. And I want to encourage you to do everything you know to do in your marriage. Um, the, you know, it's really kind of simple. What do you know to do right now? that you are not doing. And we could answer this, and we could ask this in any area of life, financially, uh, healing. What do you know to do right now that you are not doing? Because most of the time, it's not a big mystery why things aren't good at our house. So uh, that's just some things that I wanted to give you. Um, also want to just encourage you that somebody in the marriage is going to have to pray. And when two people are praying, it is impossible for a marriage not to improve and change. It is impossible when two people are praying and seeking God for a marriage not to improve. may not improve quickly, may not change quickly, but it's impossible for the marriage not to improve and change. And when a marriage is just getting worse and worse, that means somebody's not praying. Um, I want to also talk to you about not to build walls that you're just going to have to tear down. Uh, walls take a lot of work to build. How many of you know that if you go to build a brick wall, it's a lot of work. And it's the same with building walls in our lives. It is, it is more work to tear down walls, though, than it is even to build them. And it's easier to deal with one brick than it is with a mortared wall. 
And so we don't build walls in our lives, whether we're married or not. We do not build walls of unforgiveness. Hallelujah. Do not build walls of unforgiveness. Hallelujah. There's no sense you making life harder on yourself. There's no sense you, you, uh, uh, you creating things that you're just going to have to deal with later. Don't build walls uh, with bricks of remembrances. Remembering all the times he did this and all the times you, you know, women are really good at that. We don't even have to have a piece of paper to remember everything he did that was not right and everything he said. And, and yeah, and you know, we can draw it up from six months to a year ago and say, yeah, but you said and hallelujah. But we need to throw away those bricks of remembrances. Uh, bring, Bricks of resentment. We need to just throw them away as soon as they try to come to us. Anything that's a little bit resentful in marriage or in any other area. Any bricks of hurt. If somebody hurts us, husband, otherwise, you know, if it hurts, throw the brick away quickly. Forgive and just get rid of that brick. And uh, I like what Catherine Kuhlman said. I have thought of it many, many times in my life. Somebody had really persecuted her in her ministry and her staff was asking her, you know, well, you know, what about this? And what about this that they said? And what about this? And she said to her staff, she said, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. And sometimes that's just the best policy. Just forget it and pretend it didn't happen. Hallelujah, because you can build great walls with your hurts. Uh, throw away all your bricks of disappointment. If, 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 if there was a disappointment, if your anniversary was a disappointment, well, forget it. Hallelujah. You're going to be married for 70 years. If Jesus tarries, well, what's one year? Hallelujah. That he, he got the wrong thing. He didn't buy, you didn't like it. Hallelujah. So throw away bricks of disappointments. Hallelujah. Throw away bricks of fear. Hallelujah. We probably build more walls because of fears that we have in our life. You know, we just, a lot of times the way we're reacting is really nothing but fear. And so <clears throat> uh, we have to discern those bricks of fear and throw those away. Don't be afraid of confrontation. Now, most of the world don't like confrontation. 75% of all people are the personality style that absolutely hates confrontation. But did you know that confrontation in marriage is very good? Hallelujah. It because it, it, and even with our children, uh, where com, when, when I say confrontation with your children, I'm talking about like disciplining them, confronting the problem, because it clears the air. Hallelujah. And we need to keep the air cleared in our marriage. And uh, I, I'm the kind in, in my marriage that I like confrontation pretty good. I mean, I don't mind it at all. I'm just that personality style. You know, it's like, I want to deal with this. I don't want to just forget it. But pastor, he would just soon throw it under the rug, you know, and just not think about that. Uh, but, uh, but I found that, you know, it's just going to be there till you deal with it. So I like to clear the air. And in Ephesians chapter 4, let's turn there. Now we're winding up on marriage tonight. Next week I hope to just talk about children. And we're going to have children's church next week. And it don't matter what if we have half a kid. We're still going to have children's church. Two weeks in a row is enough to, to not have children's church. Ephesians... Uh, and, and besides, we're going to be talking about children in the family. Ephesians chapter 4, and I have something really good for you uh, to, for praying for your family to give you next week. Ephesians, and that just applies to all of us. Ephesians 4, 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath and neither give place to the devil. And you know what? It's okay in marriage to express your anger. Well, see, sometimes we're trying not to get angry, and but it's okay that if you expressed your anger, but you just need to not let the sun go down on your wrath. You need to deal with it. You need to stay up late if you have to in order to go to bed sweet. Now, pastor's all about sleep, and it's like, he's like, oh, well, you know, I can't deal with this tonight. But I'm like, no, if we have to stay up till two in the morning, because I don't, I'm, you know, I don't want to carry that burden to, to bed. I want to deal with this. I want to be sweet with him when I go to sleep. And so I think that's the best way. Um, because I guarantee you, in the morning when you get up, you're going to be busy. You're not going to have to deal with. You have time to deal with it, and it's going to fester all day. She's going to think about it. She, you know, this is going to build all day. Then you come in that night and you got to go to baseball or whatever, and you don't deal with it again. And pretty soon you got one of them bricks 
that's there in your marriage. So better just to go ahead and deal with it, talk it out, and get sweet with each other. Hallelujah. Another thing we need to do in our marriages is we got to settle the perfection issue. Hallelujah. you got to settle the fact that you're not perfect and your spouse is not. Hallelujah. We need to settle the aging issue. You are going to and your spouse is going to. Things are going to sag and fall and look wrinkledy. And there is going to be weight gain sometimes. Or if even if there's not weight gain, there is going to be weight redistribution for sure. It's going to be distributed in different parts of your body than it was, even if you weigh the exact same amount that you did when you got married. Hallelujah. And you know, there's no solution for it. Hollywood has tried to solve the aging issue. And did you know, it's so funny because even though they Botox and they scrape and they peel and do all these laser treatments on their face, they still end up looking the same age or older. Have you ever noticed they may not be wrinkled, but you still look 55, lady. I'm sorry. It just it just works that way. And so, um, and you know, we cer certainly, I believe God does have a fountain of youth. And I believe that there's a way to, the way to stay youthful looking is to honor God and serve God because sin, you can see sin on people. Boy, sin will make you old fast. And so the best beauty treatment is to be right on the inside to be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. And so that's a great beauty treatment for you. But anyway, um, I hope and pray that you married for inner beauty. And I'm sure that you all did. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm anxious to get to this other part. Another thing we wanted to talk, and I know I'm just kind of going over some highlights here, is don't pretend. Don't pretend in your marriage. Husbands, don't pretend you didn't notice something was wrong with her. Husbands sometimes want to pretend, well, I'm just, you know, she's mad and she's slapping pots on the counter and slamming doors a little bit and she's, but husbands sometimes will just pretend uh, that I didn't notice anything. I didn't know anything was wrong with you. And I want to tell you something else, husbands, don't pretend that there's nothing you can do about it. Don't pretend that she just has to get over it. And don't pretend this way, I'm just going to give her some space. Giving your wife some space is not a good idea, even when she says, get out of here and leave me alone. I can tell you, that is not, you might leave her for five minutes, but you better go back in. That is not the answer. It is a trick. And she... <laughs> And she may even discourage you next time you come in there. She may, but the best thing is to 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 act like you care and go go back to her. Don't pretend I might as well just go to sleep. Don't pretend I might as well just watch TV. If she needs to talk, she will tell me. Hallelujah! You're building bricks. You're building walls between you and your wife. Don't be. Don't. Here's one. Don't pretend it just must be that time of month. And God forbid, don't ever say it. Hallelujah. Are you? Because she will never forgive you for saying that. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to just say to the husbands tonight, if your wife has a problem, it is your problem. Amen. Praise God. And then I wanted to talk also and I, about pleasing your spouse. And, and in that area, what we need to do is where the Bible is silent, we please our spouse. So if the Bible doesn't specifically tell us what to do in an area, we please our spouse. That could go for like finances. The Bible doesn't say, okay, who's supposed to balance the checkbook? So what do we do? Well, we please our spouse. Hallelujah. If he wants to balance it, let him balance it. But if he wants you to, if that pleases him, well then you balance it. And that's the rule. If, you, if, if the Bible's silent, then please your spouse. Marriage has to be pleasing to both persons. And if either person, if either spouse is not pleased about a situation, then we need to do some compromise. We need to do some negotiation. We need to get to the root of the problem and find out why. And, uh, and uh, so that we can settle the matter. Hallelujah. I want to encourage the wives tonight not to be afraid of submission. Turn to 1 Peter 3, 1 through 8. I know this is a lot different than last week, but these are things the Holy Ghost gave me about marriage, so I just want to deliver them. First Peter 3, 1 through 8. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That means we're not having to be in subjection to all men, thank God, just our own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. 
Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. But after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Hallelujah. So we are not to be afraid. We're to be like Sarah, and we are not to be afraid of submission. And we, uh, uh, you know, this verse, chapter, this section of scriptures used to kind of freak me out because it said, you know, Sarah called him Lord. And I'm like, in his dreams, hallelujah. But what it means, that was just her, the custom of their day. And I say things to pastor all the time. Well, you're my head. You're my head. So give me wisdom here. And so it's just like Sarah said, you know, Abraham's my head. He's, and I say that to pastor. That doesn't bother me. I just didn't like the Lord part. But, um, after I got a hold of the fact that uh, I was to acknowledge Him as my head and it was good, and I, I'm very comfortable with that. It's very, it's very easy to acknowledge Him as head, and it's very um, comforting, and it's very secure, and it's very safe. Hallelujah. And I realize I have a, such a revelation of the offices that men stand in, not just husbands, but presidents and kings and uh, police officers stand in an office that God created. And I have a revelation that pastors standing in the office as in this church as far as the pastor, but also he stands in the office of husband at our home. And it's so easy to see that godly office and to have reverence, to have... Uh, esteem and to to love being in the security of that office. It's just like being in the security of a police officer. Colin has said that the that the fact that a police officer lives next door to him and parks a sheriff's car outside, it just brings a lot of security to that neighborhood because there's an officer the officer, we call him. There's an officer standing in an office that lives right next door to him. And so it 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 just pushes bad things away from that neighborhood. Hallelujah. And so that's why your husband, his office, we can just just relax and not be afraid of submitting because that office that he stands in, just and especially if he's a praying man and if he's a word man, hallelujah. And I'm married to the word man. That's his uh, email address, word man something. Hallelujah. And um, so that, that gives me great security. Hallelujah. So like Sarah, it's a pleasure. It's I'm not afraid of it. Hallelujah. So I'm not afraid of submission. In the Amplified, it says uh, she called him Lord, Master, Leader, Head. So, you know, Lord's a little out there for us, but I have no problem saying you're my leader. I have no problem saying you're my head. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I want to get over now and talk to you about this secret key. This secret key, and it's actually the Christian secret to a happy life. There used to be a book, I think it's still out there, by Hannah Whitehall Smith. My grandmother just loved the book, and it was called The Christian Secret of a Happy Life. I have not read that book, but I can tell you, this is the secret. I bet you it's in that book. This is the secret to a happy life. This is the secret wisdom. Turn over to Romans one twenty one. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and this helped my marriage so much when I got a hold of this. And it's going to help your marriage and your life. Romans one twenty one, Because that when they knew God... They glorified Him, not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And so here, uh, they, we, our job is to glorify God. They did not glorify God, but we are to glorify God. And that word glorify there is to render or esteem as glorious. And because they did not render and esteem as glorious, it says that they were darkened. Their, un that their lives were darkened. Their understanding was darkened. Um, 
let me read that again. They weren't thankful. They were darkened. They were foolish. Their heart was hardened or darkened. And they were very foolish because they did not glorify God. Well, we are called to glorify God. So we are called to render or esteem as glorious our God. Esteem means to value, to prize, to reverence. When we value God, what we do is we raise God higher than everyone else and everything else. This is such a key. To raise God, this is what I'm trying to tell you, raise God higher, much higher, not just higher, but much higher than everyone else and everything else. Get God so high in reverence in your life and value in your life that everything else seems unimportant. I want to tell you, this will take away all your fretting, all your worries. This will make your problems just diminish to nothing. Um, it will it will so change your perspective. If you are worrying about things and fretting about things, and if you're discouraged, if you're... Um, you know, a little bit fearful and you're just, oh, you know, just things are bad, things are hard, then really what you're not doing is you are not valuing God high enough. You're not raising Him up high enough in your life. We are called to get God so high in our life in reverence and in value that everything else in our lives seems unimportant. Get God so high. And you can visualize this in your mind. Because when I got a hold of this revelation, that's what I began to do. I would praise God and I would visualize Him way up here. And I would lower purposely in my mind everything else way down here. And I would value Him so much. And you know, it's something that we practice, that we learn to do. That we, you know, every once in a while things get out of kilter in our priority and in our thinking. And we get out of balance and we get everything else way up here. And God's just down here somewhere. But and so we have to make that readjustment and we have to get Him up and value Him. And if we practice it, then eventually it gets where it's just a way of life to us that everything else is very, very high. We are to we have taught you in the last three weeks to value your spouse, your children, but the value that you put on your spouse and your children ought to pale in comparison to your love for Jesus. And that is a key to a happy marriage. Because, well, I'll, I'll wait. I won't get ahead of myself. So we get everything where no one or anything can even compete with Jesus. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 14 and see this in the Word of God. Everything else is pale compared to to Jesus and our relationship to Him and how wonderful He is and how much we love Him. And he, we value Him and reverence Him and adore Him so much that every problem just becomes in, in, in perspective. It says, If any man come to me, in Luke 14, 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. Let's read that again. If it, this is Jesus talking. This is red letter. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters... Yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Turn to Matthew 10, 37. Don't throw this out till I explain it to you, what Jesus is saying here. Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Hallelujah. So we have two situations here where Jesus tells us that if we love Father, mother, sons, daughters, wives, children, brothers, sisters, more than Him, we're not even worthy of Him. And then in another place, He tells us that if we don't hate 
them. And so what Jesus is not, certainly not telling us to hate our wives, because we know we read in Ephesians where he says, love your wife even as Christ loved the church. So he's not telling us to hate our wives. He's not telling us to hate our husbands. He's certainly not telling us to, lo- to hate our children, but he's making a comparison here. And it's the comparison that I just told you about, that, uh, that my love for my husband and my love for my family, for my children, my love for the people in this church, my love for any earthly person is so far below my love for Jesus. It's as far apart, and this is the comparison Jesus was making, it's as far apart as love is from hate. So we glorify the things of God more than the things of this world. And you know, there's a lot of people that if we said, do you love Jesus more than you do your family, we would have to take a magnifying glass to tell. But we should be able to tell in each other, she loves Jesus um, so much more than her family. From that she loved, she, you can tell how much she loves and how high Jesus, and we should tell in the men's lives how high Jesus is in their lives. Hallelujah. I know I was listening to a tape this afternoon, a CD by, uh, no, actually it was an MP3. <laughs> See, I told you everything's a tape to me. I was listening to one, an old one by Jeannie Wilkerson. And she was uh, an old timer that Brother Hagen always called on her in his meetings. And she was teaching. And you know, I could tell by her teaching that her relationship with God, and I was like, man, I want that kind of relationship, was so far out there compared to anything in this whole earthly realm. And so some people, it would take a magnifying glass to know who you love the most. And you know what? Some people, it's so obvious that they love family more than they do God. It's so obvious they love children more than they do God. Guys, my word, it's obvious they love TV more than they do God. You know, for some people, no, our love for Jesus is so great that it's as different as love is from hate. It's kind of like this. You know, I like chocolate chip cookies. Anybody else like them? Okay, homemade chocolate chip cookies. We're not talking about chips ahoy here, folks. I like homemade chocolate chip cookies. I, but I like tuna salad. But you know the difference in how much I like chocolate chip ki- cookies and how much I like tuna salad is so far apart that it's nearly like love and hate. You could nearly say, even though I like tuna salad, that I hate it compared to how I love how I love chocolate chip cookies. Amen. And there's no question which I'd go with if you said, "Do you want these homemade chocolate chip cookies, or would you like some nice fresh tuna salad?" Hallelujah. Well, I'm gonna choose the chocolate chip cookies. Life is short. Eat dessert first. You know. <laughs> Praise God. Um, Life isn't short, but that's the saying. You know what I'm saying. Well, that's how the comparison is. That, that I love Jesus so much and my relationship with Him is so precious and He is so high in my life that it nearly makes everything else pale. It makes it seem insignificant compared to Him. Most people are so codependent on everyone and everything but God. Codependent on our children to make us happy. Codependent on our husband to make us happy. Codependent on this person and that person. And we're not to be codependent on anyone. And we, you know, if, if we're like this, you know, where our marriage is concerned, we're going to be so miserable because maybe we're wanting to see improvement in our marriage, but it's not happening very fast. Bible says let patience have its perfect work. And so sometimes you just got to be patient about things. And so we're going to be miserable because it's not moving or it doesn't look like it's moving or it doesn't look like it's happening very fast. But if we're not codependent on that marriage, if that marriage is like it's important to me and I love my spouse, but but I so love Jesus and I'm so in relationship with Him and I'm so enjoying my relationship with Him that it's just like whatever. Uh, you know, uh, uh, turn with me. In, in fact, you could say it uh, like this about marriage. And this is where we should all be in our marriages and in every other relationship. If they left me tomorrow, Lord, I won't miss a beat. I'll love you, Lord. I'll serve you and I'll praise you with all my heart. Now, we don't want them to leave. We love our marriage. We love our spouse. 
but we're not going, but it's our relationship. And see, most of us are not there. We're just even, y'all, some of you are just hearing this for the first time tonight. I've been meditating on these things for a while, but we need to build our relation in Jesus so much. And you singles need to build your relationship in Jesus so much that if you never meet somebody in Miriam, so what? So what? Paul said it's better not to anyway. And you know he's right, he's not wrong. He's, it's better if you can just give yourself to serving God. But if God just insists that you be a partner or a helpmate to somebody, that'd be fine with you. That's okay. You're glad to do it. Hallelujah. But if you sit around mooning and moaning that marriage is just the off, oh man, it's the way. It's the only way. It's so wonderful. You are going to be so disappointed. You're going to be so let down. And you need to get your relationship with Jesus so far out there that if you never saw another man on the face of the earth. Women, you wouldn't care. And men, if you, need, you don't need a woman to be happy because Jesus is your all in all. He's everything. Amen. Now it does take some work there. It takes some renewing of your mind. It takes some, it takes some spending the time with him. We just sang a song. I want to know him more. The more we know him, the more we fall in love with him. And the more everything is satisfied. But, um, and so we have to make these adjustments and really, uh, God is, uh, waiting on us to make them. Turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. Now, we're not encouraging anybody to leave or separate or anything like that, but we're just getting in perspective that we're not, that Jesus is our all in all. No person, no person is our all in all. Uh, uh, praise God. Habakkuk three seventeen. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief's kenner and on my stringed instruments. So this is what he's talking about there, right there in Habakkuk is. Though everything else not be right, Hallelujah. God, you're my all in all. I'm going to joy in you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to glorify you. So we, we, uh, uh, we place Jesus very high. In Exodus 18.2, you don't have to turn there, but in, in Exodus 18.2, Zipporah, Moses' wife, left him. And she left him for a couple of years. But you know what? Moses, he just kept on moving forward with God. Did you know that while he was separated from his wife, Zipporah, all the plagues of Egypt came. Man, he was working the works of God, bringing the plagues on Egypt. All the children of Israel were delivered while Zipporah was... Uh, separated for him. The Red Sea parted while Moses was separated from his wife. Hallelujah. We've made this marriage thing way too big a deal. And I know you won't hear that everywhere, but it's true. And when we value Jesus very high, everything else gets in perspective. Here's what, you know, when God gave me this revelation, because I was the kind, I wanted everything in my marriage to be perfect. And if anything was not perfect, uh, things it warded me. And we've had a really great marriage. But you know, just like any other couple, we've had little times of strife. Now, we had more strife in our younger years because you're younger is one reason. But another reason is because of, uh, i tell you one thing that causes you to have more strife is hormones. Hallelujah. And uh, so that that deals with a lot of strife right there. Uh, but also, you know, I noticed when, you, when every time a child leaves, the strife goes down. Why? Just because there's one less person leaving in the house. Not because the child's bad or anything like that. But, you know, it gets to where there's nothing much to fight about and all that. So strife was getting nearly gone. But it seemed like me and Pastor, we kept having strife over the same little things. And, and, you know, I would tell him, for 35 years, we don't fight, but over two things, and it's the same little thing every time. And, you know, and I was praying, and I was asking the Lord, I want this out of my life. I don't want any strife. You know, and the Lord, and the Lord showed me. He said, you know what the Lord said to me? He said, quit making such a big deal about this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that in the flesh you will have trouble. And it's like, oh... So, you know, 
And it's not that we don't work on ourselves and we don't try to change. We do those things, and I've taught that before. But I just realized that I was trying to make something perfect that would never be perfect as long as we two both had flesh bodies. As long as there's flesh, you're not going to have a perfect situation. And so you might as well forget it. And then the Lord gave me this revelation. He said, just start, just start being in me more. And, and, and all of that stuff just won't matter as much to you. And it really changed my life where marriage was concerned. So when we value Jesus very high, everything else gets in perspective. Little things become unimportant. We quit fretting because everything isn't perfect. Because a lot of wives are just fretters about what's not perfect in their marriage. You know, we quit fretting about and being upset if he forgot Valentine's Day. If he doesn't even want to celebrate Valentine's Day. If, if he is one of those, I've heard of men that just hate Christmas. In fact, a lady here in town told me my husband absolutely hates Christmas. Just get Jesus elevated and forget all of that. Uh, quit majoring on what, what it is, what, on what isn't like you want it. Value Jesus and good, get happy. Um, we must look at marriage as relative worth. And here's, here's the fact. Compared to all eternity, marriage is nothing. It's nothing. It doesn't matter if you never get married, if you never find a spouse, because marriage is nothing compared to all eternity. It doesn't matter if you, man, you got the wrong one, baby, and you know it. Hallelujah. That doesn't matter. Hallelujah. Do your best on the earth. Pray. Believe God. But it, it, it doesn't matter in the scheme of all eternity. Amen. If you, man, you picked wrong three times, and man, you are three down and none of them were any good. Hallelujah. You pick three losers every time. And it didn't, you know, I actually know some people in town personally that did that for, you know, praise God. And they're working on number four and it's not looking good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. It's not looking good. Hallelujah. I think they're going to be four. It's going to be four and oh pretty soon, you know, if they go through with this. Hallelujah. But, um, you know, and I am not trying to diminish the Scripture. I'm not trying to diminish what the Word says. I'm just saying everything has to be put in perspective of Jesus is our Lord, He's all important, and, and, and we are just here for a blink on this earth. <clears throat> so compared to eternity, marriage is nothing. You cannot truly glorify God and everything else at the same time. And certainly, you know, we talked last week about how Jimmy Evans said, kids come, kids go. And we need to enjoy our kids. We need to sow everything we can into them. They are our, our stewardship. And we will talk about that some next week just and, 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 and how to pray for them and such. But um, they are our stewardship. But even then, we cannot, God does not want you to have your kids so high that they either that, that you're codependent on them for happiness, and uh, and you have a mental breakdown when they go to college, or he doesn't want them uh, you you're, you to be where the fact that they maybe choose wrong and have problems to to totally disintegrate and destroy your life, and you can't get the works of God done. No, Hallelujah. God, Jesus is higher. He is Lord. Hallelujah. So uh, in our marriage. Um, <clears throat> We don't set the bar so high. I've noticed, and I, I think the Holy Ghost showed me this, that the world is really striving for perfection in marriage. And they, they're doing it in a really crazy way. Um, have you watched on TV and seen any of that about how much money sometimes people spend on weddings? I mean, it's just, it is just unfathomable that somebody would spend sixty, eighty thousand dollars And, I mean, you look at these people and they're not even, you can tell they're not wealthy people. They're just ordinary little young men and women. And uh, some of them, you know, go into great and tremendous debt for these fairy tale marriages. And um, I, I believe the Lord showed me that, that they're trying to have a perfect wedding. And they kind of have the misconception that they look perfect and that they have the perfect wedding, then they will have a perfect marriage. But that's not how perfect marriages are made. Hallelujah. Um, <clears throat> so we're talking tonight about having Jesus high 
And one of the things that's a part of that is having contentment in your marriage. So I want you to turn to 1 Timothy 6, 6, and we're going to be winding down here. Hallelujah. But I want to just finish up since we're not talking about marriage next week. 1 Timothy 6, 6. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And it goes on to say, for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain that we can carry nothing out. And he says this in verse 8, and having food and raiment, let us therewith, let us be therewith content. Food and clothes. Just having food and clothes, let us be content. Because godliness and contentment is great gain. So you need to make sure in your marriage that you are in any, even you singles, don't let discontentment get into your life. And don't, don't buy into the fact that if I had this, I'd be content. Or if this was perfect, I'd be content. If I had a perfect husband. You know, there's a lot of people that are just kind of a little bit mad at God and a little bit disappointed all the time because everything's not perfect. We have to separate our judgment of our marriage from the other problems of life. Did you know that just because your finances aren't good does not mean your marriage is not good? 90%, if you have a 90% good marriage, did you know that you really have an awesome marriage? And it goes back to that principle uh, of uh, 1 Corinthians 7 where it says, uh, in the flesh you will have trouble. He's talking about marriage in that, that, that whole chapter. And he's talking about, you know, well, hey, go ahead and marry if that's what you got to do. But just know in the flesh you're going to have trouble. And so if you get married thinking you'll never have a problem in your marriage, that's foolish. The Bible says in the flesh you're going to have trouble. And so there's trouble in every marriage. There's, there's, it's built in to the world system. It's built into our flesh is really what it is. And so if you have a 90% good marriage, and I know that the, I know people who have really a good marriage, but they don't count it as good because everything's not perfect. And uh, if you don't like your house, don't blame your spouse and don't blame your marriage. A lot of people are like, I'm not enjoying my marriage because we don't live in a good house. Or be sure you separate your marriage from your finances, from your house, from your clothes, from your cars. Um, and, and we certainly know that husbands are to be providers. But did you know husbands are not the only ones responsible? Wives are to be prayers and believers. And so we need to quit blaming each other and get in and do our part. We're praying and believing is concerned. In fact, I believe that why, that God's intention, probably His best intention, is for the husband to to to. Um, I don't think I don't think He really intends for the wife to have to work unless he she wants to and some wives really want to and that's good too but um uh, uh, i believe god really intends for the wife to be uh the the primary one not that the husband doesn't pray and i'm not relieving you of responsibility to pray husbands but it where the family is concerned the wife is very insightful where prayer uh, where prayer is concerned. And so it's her responsibility to get in there and flow with the Holy Ghost and to to, uh, to make sure that her family is in order by her prayers. So don't let the enemy use finances to put pressure on your marriage because you need to separate the two. The fact that there's financial situations right now in your life has nothing to do with your marriage. And you will not enjoy your marriage. And I just wanted to use this example. When you were dating... You did not go out on a date and go to the movie, maybe go out to eat, and you didn't sit there and go, I can't enjoy this date tonight because you just don't make enough money. But, you know, as wives, sometimes we like, well, I can't enjoy you. I just can't enjoy this marriage because you just don't make enough money. And if you're on a date, you don't say, you know, I'm just not enjoying myself on this date because we're not financially stable. No, you don't. When you're on a date... You're not even thinking about that. You're just enjoying the person. And that's how we have to do in our marriages is just enjoy the person. And you can't say, I can't enjoy you. I'm not going to have fun in this marriage because our finances just aren't stable. Or you know, when you're on a date, you never said, well, I can't enjoy tonight because I because we have a past due bill. I think you have a past due bill or, or you have a bill coming. Or because we have debt. We both have debt, so I'm just not enjoying this date. 
But yet that's what we do in our marriages. Sometimes we go, I'm just not enjoying this marriage. This is just no fun because we have debt. We have, we don't know how we're going to pay the bill tomorrow. We don't know what we're going to, you know, we need a new car and we don't know what we're going to do. That just has nothing to do with your marriage. And that may shock you, but it's really the truth. You are a couple. You are you can you need you need to love each other and enjoy each other and have fun when the finances are good, when the finances aren't good, when there's debt, when there's outstanding bills, when the creditors are are calling every night. It's like being divided and unhappy with your marriage and your spouse does not solve any of those problems. In fact, unity and love and love covers a multitude of sins. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And unity causes the anointing of God to flow. And so, um, um, you know what? And because your house isn't wonderful, there are good marriages in broken down houses. There are good marriages, people living in uh, uh, recreational vehicles, and that's all they've got to live in. And that'd be fine too. Hallelujah. We put too, too much emphasis on other things. And do you know what? There are horrible marriages that have mansions. I know of some of those myself. we got to be happy because love counts more. So we value God most of all. We value Him the highest. We value our spouse. But we make sure that there's a distinct difference and we practice that and we learn it. And we do that by building up our spiritual life. Hallelujah. And then there's a distinct difference between our spouse and our children too. We don't ever let our children be up there above or right with our spouse because children come and children go and children disappoint you. Children uh, don't always do what's right, but you've got, you've got your spouse. You've got your love. You've got a partner in life. You've got a partner in Christ. You've got a, a you know what you've got? You've got an agreement. You've got an agreer. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we put our love for God above everything else and it makes everything else fall into line and be wonderful. Well, we're going to close the marriage part of this tonight. And then next week, my plan, unless the Lord changes us and says do that another time, which He could, uh, would be that we'd talk about children next week. But we'll just be led by the Spirit. How's that? So let's stand up together tonight. Hallelujah. And I'm going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Father, every one of us in here, Lord, we need to value you more. We need to raise you up and reverence and esteem you so much higher, so much higher than anything in this world. That nothing, no job, no person, no career, no, no degree, no, no, no nothing even, even comes close in comparison to you, to our relationship with you. And Lord, the devil might could attack our marriage. He might could attack our finances. He, he might find a door in to even attack our children. But Lord, He can never separate us from You. The Bible says He can never separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we just raise that relationship up so very, very high. Esteeming You and Your, your Word and Your love is so very precious to our lives. And Lord, even though we love our spouse and we love our children, we love the people in this church, Lord. We just say to you, Lord, right now that they are nothing compared to our love for you. And Lord, if all of those things fail us, if all of those things fall away from us, we will just keep on loving you, serving you. And Lord, you will never take our calling from us. You will never take our anointing from us. Lord, you will never, ever, ever fail us, give up on us, or quit loving us. And Lord, we just rest in that and we just come up to that higher place now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah.